Holiday Junction Resolving Enzymes, Structures and Mechanisms An article by David Lilly from the University of Dundee, United Kingdom, Fab's Letters, 2017 Holiday Junction Resolving Enzymes are nucleases that are highly specific for the structure of the junction to which they bind in dimeric form. Two symmetrically disposed cleavages are made. These are not simultaneous, but the second cleavage is accelerated relative to the first, so ensuring their bilateral cleavage occurs during the lifetime of the DNA protein complex. In eukaryotic cells, there are two known junction-resolving activities. Gen 1 is similar to enzymes from lower organisms. A crystallographic structure of a fungal Gen 1 bound to the product of resolution has been determined. These complexes are dimerized within the crystal lattice, such that the strands of the products may be simply connected to form a junction. These structures suggest a trajectory for the resolution process. Holiday junctions and their processing. Holiday junctions are DNA branch points in which four helices are covalently connected by the exchange of strands. They can be generated by strand invasion into a double helix and by the reversal of a fork, and thus their central intermediates in genetic recombination, the repair of double strand DNA breaks, and the processing of blocked replication forks. They must be processed back into duplex DNA species, and this can occur in a variety of ways. The most widespread is by the action of junction-resolving enzymes, nucleases that are selective for branched DNA. Such resolution activities have been isolated from a wide range of organisms and viruses. In eukaryotes, there is an important alternative to resolution called dissolution, in which junctions are pushed along by the Bloom's helicase and then decatenated by topisomerase. In the presence of metal ions, but the absence of proteins, the four-way junction falls by pairwise coaxial stacking by hexical arms to adopt the right-handed stacked X structure. In one of the two stacking conformers, they interconvert in solution. The stacked X structure has been confirmed by X-ray crystallography. However, the binding of junction-resolving enzymes invariably results in a major distortion of the structure, and this is probably very important in the resolution process. The occurrence of junction-resolving enzymes in lower organisms until relatively recently, the only known junction-resolving enzymes had been found in lower organisms. All the characteristic properties of such enzymes well sedated the study of these proteins, and their investigation also stimulated the development of many of the non-standard tools used in the analysis, such as supercoid cruciform assay for studying bilateral cleavage kinetics. Resolving enzymes have been isolated from bacteria and their phages, archaea and yeast mitochondria. These are relatively small, typically around 150 amino acids, except for
for the mitochondrial enzymes that rise the and basic proteins and the majority can be placed into one of the two superfamilies. The first group comprises Rufsi of Escherichia coli, the yeast mitochondrial enzymes CCE1 and YDC2 and the vaccine virus enzyme A22, all of which fall into the superfamily that includes RNAs8 and the integrases. In contrast, phage T7 endonuclease 1, gram-positive bacteria RECU, and the archaeal HJC and HJE enzymes are grouped in the family of nuclease enzymes that includes the restriction enzymes and MUTH. The first group is characterized by significant sequence specificity for cleavage although they will bind to junctions of indiscriminate sequence. They exhibit marked preferences for cleavage implying sequence-specific interactions in the transition state. X-ray crystallographic structures have been obtained for most of these junction-resolving enzymes. In general, the shape of the dimeric proteins is prolate, based upon mixed alpha-beta folds over the group. Significantly different architectures are adopted. Roof C structure is similar to that of RNAs8 and YDC2 of Schizosaccharomyces pombae appears to be an elaborated version of Roof C. In contrast, the structures of T7 and denuclease 1, the archaeal junction resolving enzyme HJC and HJE, and RAC. U of the gram-positive bacteria are evidently related to those of the restriction enzymes. In all cases, the active sites of these enzymes contain divalent metal ions coordinated by the acidic amino acid side chains. Single metal ions have been shown to be found in the active sites of T4 endonuclease 7, YDC2 and RECU, while two ions have been observed in the of T7 endonuclease 1. The structures of two enzymes of phage origins have been determined for the complex of a dimer bound to a DNA junction. These structures are quite unlike. T4 endonuclease 7 presents a flat S-shaped surface to which the junction binds in a flat open each shaped conformation. In the complex with T7 endonuclease 1, the junction retains a pairwise coaxial alignment of arms, although base stacking is interrupted at the center. The enzyme binds the junction of the major groove side, intercalating with each phosphate of both continuous strands of eight nucleosides. Formation of the endonuclease 1 dimer creates two hemicylindrical clefts, each 30 Armstrong long, they are mutually perpendicular, and the DNA arms abound along the length of these basic channels. The enzyme selects for a DNA structure that can adopt the geometry of the junction where the two axes are almost perpendicular to each other. The key properties that 
a holiday junction resolving enzyme should exhibit. It is self-evident that a junction resolving enzyme must be able to bind highly selectively to a four-way helical junction and introduce symmetrically paired bilateral cleavages. It has been long known that the phase enzymes bind to DNA junctions in dimeric form with at least a thousandfold greater affinity than for a duplex of the same sequence. The affinity for junctions is typically around nanomolar for most of these enzymes. While these properties are clearly essential, we know nothing about how these enzymes find DNA junctions in the crowded and complex milieu of the cell. It seems probable that the enzyme would bind to duplex DNA and slide or hop along it until it finds a junction in order to reduce the dimensionality of the search. Upon encountering a junction, the great affinity would keep it in place, but there are no experimental data that currently address this. Although it has been demonstrated unequivocally that the active form of a resolving structure bound to a four-way junction is a dimer, the monomer-dimer equilibrium in solution in the absence of a junction varies widely in affinity and rate of association. In order to resolve a junction to duplex species, two phosphodiester linkages must be hydrolyzed. Upon binding to the junction, DNA strands must enter the active sites of the dimer and be cleaved. This can occur 5' prime or 3' prime to the point of strand exchange, and the distance is not critical, but must be the same for both sides, that is, the cleavage sides must be symmetrically disposed. Moreover, it is important that the cleavages are coordinated in some manner such that both are made before the enzyme dissociates. Otherwise, a unilaterally cleaved junction will result that is likely to be toxic to the cell. This is discussed further in the following section. How resolving enzymes achieve a productive resolution of holiday junction? It is clearly critical that junction-resolving enzymes generate bilateral cleavage of the junction, but how it is achieved? The key to the study of this was the use of supercoid cruciform substrates. The cruciform structure is an opposed pair of hairpin loops extruded from duplex DNA where the sequence has two-fold symmetry, that is, an inverted repeat. The junction between the two stem loops and the duplex DNA is exactly equivalent to a four-way junction and this has long been known to be a substrate for junction-resolving enzymes. The extruded cruciform structure is in equilibrium with the unextruded duplex form, but in linear DNA the equilibrium is heavily biased toward the duplex because the cruciform is less stable than the duplex by more than 55 kJ per mole. However, in the inverted repeat is contained within a supercoid circular DNA molecule, the cruciform can become more stable than duplex because its formation is accompanied by an unwinding and this generates a relaxation of negatively supercoiled DNA.
There's above a threshold level of negative superhelix density, the cruciform is stable in a circular DNA molecule, but this continues only as long as the DNA remains superchoid. If the covalent continuity of the cycle is broken at any point, the cruciform is rapidly reabsorbed. Thus, if an enzyme makes a single cleavage in the DNA, the cruciform can only remain extruded if it's preserved by the DNA-protein interactions in the complex. If the protein dissociates before cleavage of the second strand occurs, the supercoiling will be released and the cruciform is reabsorbed. At that point, no substrate remains for a second cleavage reaction. What remains then is a circular DNA molecule containing a nick. On the other hand, if the enzyme makes bilateral cleavage within the lifetime of the complex, the circular DNA becomes linearized. Nicked, linear, and superchoid DNA forms a plasmid DNA are well separated by electrophoresis in an agarose gel. So it's a simple matter to distinguish unilateral and bilateral cleavage. It was found that resolving enzymes convert supercoid plasmid DNA containing a cruciform into a linear product, indicative of bilateral cleavage. However, careful analysis of the product of cruciform cleavage by yeast mitochondria CCE1 and bacteria RUVSA at early times revealed the nicked DNA was formed as a transient intermediate that was then converted into a linear product by second cleavage. This indicated that the two cleavages were not necessarily simultaneous, but that the second cleavage must occur within the lifetime of the complex, so that the cruciform was not reabsorbed by release of negative supercoiling. The data were fitted to a kinetic model of sequential cleavage, whereupon it emerged that the second cleavage was accelerated by tenfold or hundredfold relative to the first for CCE1 and roof C, respectively. It is this acceleration that ensures productive resolution because the second cleavage follows hard on the heels of the first and it is likely to result from the release of strain in the complex following the cleavage of the first strand. Similar results were found for other junction-resolving enzymes, including the eukaryotic Gen 1, as we shall see shortly. Processing of holiday junctions in eukaryotic cells in eukaryotic cells, holiday junctions are processed by two rather distinct mechanisms that can be differentiated by whether or not they involve hydrolytic cleavage. The solution requires the BLM helicase to translocate two adjacent junctions to each other so that they may be unlinked by the action of topisomerase 3-alpha. This mechanism is likely to be the primary response to existence of DNA junctions in mitotically dividing cells and effects in the pathway lead to Bloom syndrome that results in genomic instability. Any junctions that resist dissolution are processed resolution, that is, the action of nucleases that are selective for the structure of a four-way DNA junction as discussed above. 
despite heroic efforts to identify and purify a stellar resolution activity from eukaryotes over a long period. Such enzymes were only relatively recently identified. The first was Gen 1, Yen 1 Iniest, a member of the Fen 1 XPG superfamily of five prime nucleases. They include XO1, Fen 1, and XPG. It emerged that the properties of Gen 1 were closely similar to those of the long studied resolving enzymes of lower organisms in most respects. The second activity identified in eukaryotes was a considerably more elaborate apparatus, comprising a number of different proteins. They include two nucleases acting together as a complex, the nuclease making the initial cleavage within the junction is the nuclease SLX1. This is a member of the UVRC family of endonucleases that contains a GIYYIG motif. They create a metal ion binding active center in a number of nucleases. SLX1 is bound to a much larger protein, SLX4, that binds a whole series of enzymes involved in DNA repair. It then emerged that SLX1 only introduces a single cleavage into the junction, and the second cleavage is generated by the MUS81. EME1 nuclease that is also bound as part of the SLX4 complex. MUSA1 had been studied earlier and had biochemical properties like those of a flap endonuclease, but the functional junction resolving enzyme is the SLX1 SLX4 MUSA1 EME1 complex. Gen 1 and SLX4 are synthetically lethal in human cells due to dysfunctional mitosis resulting from unprocessed junctions. Therefore, it seems there is some redundancy in resolution capacity, but it is essential that one of the two systems is functional. Expression of human Gen 1 restores the meiotic phenotype of Muse 81 delta fission yeast and persistent DNA junctions in meiotic yeast can be resolved by Yen-1. West and co-workers have shown that Gen-1 activity is regulated through its compartmentalization in the cell. Properties of a fungal Gen-1 enzyme Human Gen 1 was first identified along with the yeast Orthologian 1, followed a little later by an orthologue from Cernohabitis elegans. Western co-workers characterized the cleavage of junction species by Human Gen 1. However, the Human Gen 1 was subject to aggregation on DNA such that no discrete complex of Gen 1 bound to a DNA junction could be observed in the absence of competitor DNA, although more discrete binding was demonstrated in the presence of poly-DI, poly-DC. We also found that human gene 1 formed multiple complexes with four-way DNA junctions, so that a proper biophysical or structure study of the interaction was not possible. 
with their forces for a genuine orthologue with properties more amenable to quantitative biophysical analysis and turned to the thermophilic fungi as a possible source. Thermostable proteins are frequently better behaved than their mesophilic equivalents. Using bioinformatic analysis, we identified all the FEN1XPG superfamily orthologues in the species, including Gen1. Alignment of the protein sequence of the putative Gen1 from Canothorium thermophilum with that of the FLAP endonuclease FEN1 showed that there were seven strongly conserved acidic amino acids in common that corresponded to metal ion binding residues in the active side of FEN1. We expressed impurified Gen1 from C. thermophilum as an N terminal 1487 amino acid fragment by construction of a synthetic gene with optimized coding usage for E. coli. CT Gen 1 was shown to be a nuclease that is highly selective for four way DNA junctions, cleaving one nucleotide 3' to the point of strand exchange on two strands symmetrically disposed above a diagonal axis. Importantly, we show that bound to DNA junctions as a discrete homozymer with nanomolar affinity. However, in contrast to the enzymes of phage and lower organisms, it was found to be predominantly monomeric in solution. Binding is strongly cooperative, and thus it is likely that Gen1 dimerizes on the DNA junction. This is currently under investigation using single molecule methods. Using supercoid cruciform substrates, we show that CT Gen1 dimer makes sequential cuts with a tenfold acceleration on the second cleavage. Aside from the oligomeric state of the free protein, the properties of CT Gen1 are closely similar to those of the resolving enzymes from bacterial, phage and mitochondrial origins discussed above. All the basic principles of the modus operandi of the enzymes of the lower organisms apply very well to Gen1. The structure of CT Gen1. While type CT Gen1 was mixed with a DNA junction in the presence of two millimolar magnesium chlorides and allowed to crystallize, crystals of CT Gen1 in complex with a DNA junction were obtained in the fraction phase by single wavelength anomalous dispersion using selenomethionine substituted CT Gen1. The structure was solved to a resolution of 2.5 Armstrong. In addition, the structure was solved after soaking with manganese ions. Under the conditions of crystallization, the CT Gen 1 was active and thus a product complex resulted as a functional unit in the crystal. This was one of the two possible products corresponding to just two of the arms of the junction, comprising one full-length strand of 30 nucleotides and two short strands of 14 and 16 nucleotides. The axes of the two arms of the product are approximately perpendicular and the trajectory of the DNA is closely similar to that of a DNA flap bound to FEN1. The CT Gen1 monomer approximates to hemi-ellipsoids of 80-30-30 Armstrong broadened at one end to 40 Armstrong. 
The main section of the protein centers around the central seventh strand mixed beta sheet that is flanked on both sides by alpha helices. The connectivity of helices and sheets is generally very similar to that observed in the FENU1 family members. However, CTGen1 lacks the helical arc that selects the single-stranded flap of the DNA substrate in FEN1. The C-terminal wider end of CTGen1 contains a three-strand antiparallel beta sheet and four alpha helices with no counterpart in the order FEN1 XPG family members. The structure is similar to a series of chromodomain proteins. This has also been noted in human gen 1, studied as a non-specific complex bound DNA. The structure of the CT gen 1 monomer provides a basic flat face on which the DNA binds. Examination of the electrostatic surface reveals a shrinking DNA binding path, whereby each point of contact with the ribose phosphate backbone of DNA has an electropositive path. There are no base-specific contacts consistent with binding that lacks any sequence specificity. More than one turn of helix from both arms is bound to the protein, with the extra C-terminal domain of CTGen1 allowing an increased length of DNA to be bound compared to FEN1. Altogether, the bound DNA buries a surface area of almost 1400 Armstrong square. The active site of CTGen1 is strongly electronegative, containing six conserved acidic amino acids that bind to trivalent cations. The five prime end of the three prime strand generated by nucleolytic cleavage is directed into the active center. The active site confirms to the standard two metal ion model of phosphoryl transfer reactions with the metal ions position, the reactants activate nucleophilic water and molecule and stabilize the anionic transition state. A complex of CTGen1 bound to a DNA junction. In addition to the product resolution, the crystal of CTGen1 also provides a very strong indication of the likely structure of a CTGen1 dimer bound to a four-way junction. Careful examination of the crystal lattice showed the two product complexes were dimerized through contact between three alpha helices from each monomer arranged as a kind of tripod. The dimer interface is relatively small, consistent with the bias to the monomer in free solution. The dimeric unit has a coaxial alignment of the uncleaved DNA helices, while the helical arms containing the cleavage sides are rotated toward each other on the major groove side to include an angle of close to 90 degree. This is very different from the stacked X formation of protein-free junction in the presence of divalent metal ions, but the global geometry in this complex is identical with that deduced by comparative gel electrophoretic analysis, so providing complete agreement between structure in the crystal and in solution. It is not known at what point the structure change occurs, 
This might occur by conformational selection or induced fit. Computationally, it was possible to reconnect these trends to generate a currently intact four-way junction requiring only that the base pair located at the junction proximal end of each uncleaved helix be unpaired and unstacked. This local distortion was confirmed in solution by permanganate probing and unquenching of two aminopurine fluorescence. Importantly, the spectroscopic study further revealed that the region around the point of strand exchange was significantly more unstacked in the intact junction compared to that in the product, indicating a degree of refolding of the central region following strand cleavage. Progress towards the trajectory of the resolution process. We are now in a position to fill in some structured detail for this scheme shown in figure 1 as it applies to gene 1. First, we found out that in free solution CT gene 1 exists mainly in monomeric form and therefore most probably assembles as a dimer in the course of binding to four-way DNA junction. Gen 1 binds selectively to DNA junction with nanomole affinity and in doing so both radical changes the global disposition of the arms and opens the center leading to a strained conformation. After binding sequential cleavages are introduced on two diametrically opposite strands, one nucleotide 3 prime, the point of strand exchange with a tenfold acceleration of the second cleavage. Although this requires more in-depth study, particularly using experiments at the single molecule level, it seems quite probable that relaxation of a strained structure in the intact junction complex is relieved upon introducing the first cleavage, and this accelerates the cleavage at the second site. The net effect is that the second cleavage rapidly follows the first ensuring the two cleavages are made before the complex dissociates and hence a productive resolution even results. Conclusion We see that as a class D holiday junction dissolving enzymes are fundamental characteristics in common, they must bind selectively with high affinity to four-way DNA junctions in dimeric form and introduce two symmetrically disposed hydrolytic cleavages of the phosphodiester backbone. Although the resolving enzymes are strongly selective for the structure of the junction, paradoxically, in all cases binding brings about major changes to the DNA structure. Thus, these enzymes recognize the structure of the distal junction. This is likely to be critical in their function. It is important that bilateral cleavage is completed before dissociation of the protein junction complex and is achieved by acceleration of the second cleavage. This increase in the rate of strain cleavage is likely achieved due to the release in structure strain after the first cleavage. Eukaryotic gene 1 exhibits all these properties and we see the structure basis for much of these. At present, rather less is known about the SLX1-SLX4 resolving enzyme complex.
but is likely that similar mechanisms must operate. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow me on all podcast platforms and on Twitter to stay in touch.